This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Guido Crego, VP of Product at Jamp. Guido, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Thank you, Art, for having me. Terrific. Thank you for coming. All right. iOS 14.5. If you aren't in the app marketing industry, this version number of Apple's mobile operating system won't tell you about the whole drama associated with it. It's just what the settings apps on your iPhone suggested you to update your smartphone with. That's it. But if your job is to promote mobile apps, I bet you've been following the fallout of its release by Apple this spring real close. Today, Guido will shed some light on what's going on with app retargeting, iOS versus Android ad, ad campaigns shift, IDFA, and more. But as always in the show, let's talk about you, Guido, first. You know, you're actually the first Argentinian on the show. So this is our first chance to get a kind of a quick look into the culture, uh, tech culture in Argentina a little bit. Uh, please tell us about your background. Sure. Uh, well, Argentina is actually a pretty interesting place for tech. Um, although the market, the internal market is small, um, a lot of the most successful tech companies in Latin America are, start from Argentina. So there is a vibrant tech ecosystem. Um, and in the case of Champ, although a big part of the, the team is here in Argentina, we are actually a global company. So most of our focus in terms of businesses in North America, Asia, and, and those places. Um, and in terms of my personal background, uh, to be honest, I have a little bit of everything. So I started my career doing search engine optimization, and, and that opened me the doors to the whole rest of the digital marketing world. And as, a, as I'm a nerd, basically, I always look in the, the, into the technology part of things and the technology side of the business and that curiosity uh, uh, in, in, and with my experience in digital marketing brought me into more product development roles. And basically, here, here I am. <laughs> Gotcha. So you're saying you, you used to be a search optimization guy back in the day. So I'm going to shake yeah. your hand from the other part of the world because this is what <laughs> was my entrance into the world of uh, uh, IT back in yeah. 2001, I guess, or 2000. 20 well, at, at that time, it was like one of the main channels for to get uh, traffic for a website and to get mm-hmm. uh, lead generation and things like that. Uh, so, so oh, yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of the people in AdTech started with with search engine optimization. <laughs> exactly. Now, what is Jam? Uh, tell me about your company. What do you folks do? Sure. So Jab is basically a programmatic advertising platform that is used by the most ambitious uh, companies to accelerate their uh, mobile businesses. Uh, basically, we leverage machine learning, creative optimization, and proprietary advertising solutions to drive incremental growth to these companies. So that basically means that we run campaigns in the programmatic ecosystem for them to try to reach new users and to increase uh, their post-installed conversions, uh, uh, bookings, purchases, uh, registration 
applications and things like that. Um, since uh, the beginning of this year, uh, since two. 2021, we uh, have joined the Apple Group, uh, the, uh, a global consumer intelligence uh, technology company. So as part of, the, of this bigger group, we are now in a better position to continue with our plans to, to grow our platform and our business. Gotcha. So you have joined your forces with the Apple company. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, now... First of all, um, a few months ago, uh, it's been a few months since Apple introduced its app tracking transparency framework. Where do we stand with app retargeting right now? How this introduction uh, influenced the app retargeting dynamics? Sure. So at the beginning of this, remember that uh, Apple introduced this notion of ATT uh, last year. So at the beginning of the announcement, we, we have been seeing basically two different approaches. Uh, the first approach was like a, a real hard stop. Remember that uh, the announcement of ATT was kind of at the same time that the pandemic started. So between mm -hmm. COVID and ATT, we see uh, we saw a lot of companies that drastically reduced their budgets given the uncertainty. Um, but you had other, another bucket of companies where uh, Based of this uncertainty, they they were like full steam ahead, and they uh, th their their strategy was to retarget users as much as possible until they cannot do it anymore. So they can leverage the fact that they can still get insights on, on those users and those uh, campaigns, and also leverage the fact that their other competitors may not be uh, uh, retargeting their users. So there, there was a, a competitive advantage to continue doing it. Um, today, after the official enforcement of ATT, uh, after iOS 14.5, uh, obviously retargeting in iOS is getting lower and lower. But the reality is that it's, it's still alive. And today, in the last couple of months, we are actually seeing some growth. You need to consider that there's still around 30% of the iOS traffic that still has uh, IDFA uh, to, to do targeting. Uh, so a lot of advertisers are still leveraging that, that opportunity, and they want to squeeze that traffic and those uh, user bases as much as possible. So, so, so we are seeing that, of course, the opportunity is smaller than before, but there's still an opportunity to do retargeting in iOS, and a lot of sophisticated advertisers are still leveraging it. Got it. Uh, now, when Apple announced the upcoming reduction of ATT and switching uh, IDFA from um, opt-out to opt-in, one of the first observations was that app marketers will basically shift their budgets to Android. Have you have they been doing that? Uh, what's happening right now? Um, and perhaps any data points to share to illustrate the dynamics of the shift? Sure. So the reality is that we have been seeing uh, different splits of budget in the last few months. Uh, uh, so there are shifts, uh, shift of budgets between user acquisition and retargeting, between Android and iOS, and, and also between IDFA-only campaigns versus scale network campaigns. Um, and the reality is that when it comes to the split per uh, uh, operating system, the reality is that it changes a lot depending on the region, mostly because, as, as you may know, uh, different markets and different countries in the world will have a different penetration of operating system uh, uh, vendors. So uh, right. uh, places like Latin America, they are really big on Android, and iOS is not that big. So, so 
there's a natural concentration of budgets in, in Android on those regions, while in uh, places like the U.S., of course, uh, the penetration of iOS is, is, is much higher. So when you when you analyze the, the budget uh, distribution, you need to take that in consideration to be able to, to do a proper uh, analysis. Uh, Having that said, uh, what we are seeing today is that a lot of companies are doing this split be that between Android and iOS that is like around 65% Android and 35% iOS compared to a previous 50-50 uh, uh, distribution in, in, in most cases. And what we see is that there are many factors uh, influencing this shift to, to, to Android. Um, the first one being that, of course, ATT, ATT is a new challenge and, and, and is disrupting a lot the way marketers target users and measure the success. So while they are still where they are still figuring out what to do with iOS 14, they uh, they they shift a budget to Android uh, uh, in the meantime. Um, another reason why uh, budgets are being increased in Android is the fact that there's more competition in Android now because of uh, this uh, situation. And it means that in a lot of cases, we are seeing an increase in eCPM. So basically, in order to continue to be competitive in, in, in Android, you need more budget and you need to spend more. So, mm. so it's like a virtuous cycle of, of, of spending and, 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 and price increases. And the other thing is that Android offers more actionable insights than scale network in, in iOS because you, you 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 still have full granularity on your campaign variables and you can use those uh, insights in Android in some cases to extrapolate those learnings to, to to iOS. So a lot of companies use Android not only to grow their Android uh, business but also to get insights to improve the, the iOS campaigns as well. Um, but at the end of the day, the reality is that every company will be different. There is no hard rule uh, that all companies are uh, applying uh, because it, it depends a lot of the company goals. It depends a lot on the business models. Uh, uh, some apps doing things like subscriptions may have more success in, in iOS, while companies uh, doing more traditional e-commerce will, uh, will have a, a, a more even uh, uh, distribution of uh, return of investment in both platforms. So every company will be different. So there is no single answer for this. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's something interesting to, to continue to see how companies evolve on these strategies. Yeah, it will be interesting to see next year, kind of a mid, mid next year, uh, closer to the next release. So I, iOS uh, 16, I, I suppose it would be the number when I think Apple will be continuing to, uh, advance the scan network system by then. And, uh, yeah. the dynamics will be kind of different, but, uh, I guess the overall, uh, observation that was done a few years ago that basically money is on the iOS side, the reach is on the Android side and the situation mm. hasn't changed a lot. Okay, so um, moving on. Um, what's going on with IDFA, our beloved IDFA? Uh, all of those initial fears that people will be just rejecting uh, out of hand, uh, they're tracking in apps in masses. Are those fears are coming through? Looking at mobile ad campaigns today, what is the split uh, between campaigns? around the SCAD network versus uh, still running on IDFA. 
for people who could hear the dogs barking, that that's okay. We're, we're doing good. We're living uh, in other uh, times. Actually, yeah. actually, my dogs uh, have a real fear for ATT, and and, and oh, they yeah. really suffer when it people sense, uh, op, yeah. opt out. So <laughs> totally, totally makes sense. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Yeah. So the reality is that IDFA availability has been steadily decreasing since the beginning of this year. So when Apple started enforcing the ATT with uh, the version uh, iOS 14. 14.5, we have seen a, a real impact. Uh, to give you some concrete figures, in April of this year, the availability of IDFA traffic was around 70%, and now we are talking about 30%. So, so the impact was substantial and was really real. Uh, the other way around, SCAD network adoption, meaning the amount of traffic that, that is SCAD network compatible, uh, has been also growing substantially. It was 10% in April, and now today is, is 80%. Um, what this means is that if you are running a campaign only using IDFA uh, because of the lack of availability of traffic and also the, the, the increasing competition in that traffic, you will reach uh, uh, lower volumes and your CPAs or CPIs will be substantially higher. And when you run campaigns both with IDFA and SCAD network, the, what we are seeing today is that on the SCAD network side, CPIs are actually getting better than on the IDFA side of campaigns. Actually, in some cases, it's almost up to 40% uh, better uh, CPIs. So the reality today is that running only IDFA is not a good move. I mean, it's better because you have more granularity, you have more control, you have more targeting options, but because of the lack of traffic and increase uh, in competition, the results in IDFA are, are looking uh, really bad. So in general, our recommendation is to run campaigns uh, combining uh, all traffic types and attribution types at the same time. So running IDFA, running SCAD network, and running, in some cases, also some probabilistic attribution. So in our case, at least, we push our advertisers and we help our advertisers to aim to have 100% of the campaigns running like this, combining all the attribution methods and combining all the traffic uh, uh, um, types. Um, the reality is that, again, at the beginning of the year, especially when... Uh, measuring only SCAD network campaigns, those SCAD network campaigns were, perf were performing really bad. But given that today we have more traffic available and, and, and our product has been developing a lot, today the results that we are seeing in SCAD network are actually pretty good. So we, we recommend advertisers to uh, uh, make the jump to, to SCAD network and, and run every type of traffic. And, and, and with that scenario, we can get results that are pretty good and, and in most cases uh, compatible to the uh, pre-SKN uh, network era, basically. Yeah, so uh, as time goes by, um, SCAD network uh, becomes more mature. You're saying like the adoption rate jumped like uh, eight, eight times right, since it was introduced in April. If this, yep. is, if this is the dynamic uh, of adoption we're going to be seeing uh, you know, months um, in the future, perhaps uh, next spring, next summer, we will be see like the you know the bulk of the campaigns being running in scheduling work, which will be more sophisticated by then. People will be more um, feeling more confident, having more yeah. experience, and knowing uh, how to avoid the mistakes they were making in the past. 
the reality is that we are all learning, right? So advertisers are For learning sure. how to do it. BSPs are learning how to do it. MMPs are learning how to do it. Supply uh, partners are learning how to do it. So things are going to get better as, as, as long as we can continue sophisticating our strategy around here. Got it. Now, knowing what you know about ATT, uh, SCAD network adoption, IDFA deprecation rate, what are your thoughts on what's coming next? Uh, is it doom and gloom as people thought the last spring or summer, or it was yeah, kind of a, a non-rational fears? <laughs> no, I don't think it was doom and gloom. The reality is that since the beginning, we saw this as a really disruptive thing, but at the same time, uh, as a positive change, because uh, this uh, IDFA apocalypse, as, as a lot of people call it, uh, basically forced the industry to go back to the blackboards and rethink what a successful campaign strategy looks like. Um, you know, in the last few years, the whole game was about getting behavioral data and using that data to target specific buckets of users based on their previous behavior and, 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 and get uh, conversions from, from that. And that helped generating a lot of growth, but also create this scenario where a lot of, I mean, the, the game of running campaigns were more about capturing attribution, so basically cannibalizing some activity rather than convincing, actually convincing new users to discover and use new, new apps. And in that like attribution game, companies like Google or Facebook were basically unbeatable because they control every data out there and they have a massive reach for, for and, and, and a lot of tons, uh, tons of data points from, from users. So they were like the kings of that game. Today that's changing and campaign success is no longer about user data, but about cleverly designed campaign strategies that combines great creatives, understanding placements, etc. So in that sense, I think that ATT has set a more level play field uh, for all the ad tech players and 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 that's a good opportunity for for the whole industry uh, of course there are many changes that we are still need to figure out and and we need to do a lot of testing and and and, and improvements and test a, a lot of new ideas and way to do things but it's an opportunity to develop technology that respects the user decision when it comes to tracking or not tracking uh, and, and help advertisers to continue to reach uh, their potential uh, uh, users and, and customers. Um, in terms of things that we are seeing uh, in, in the industry, I think that there is a, an interesting movement from some companies to start measuring uh, top-down campaign uh, incrementality. So things like media mix modeling, where basically they try to measure the, the different channel, uh, mix of channels that they have to understand how different mixes will have different impact in, in, the, in the whole strategy. So I think that that's something important. And, and also another thing that we are seeing is that there, there is going to uh, be this continuation of this trend of gaming studios uh, um, consolidating and, and, and getting bigger because they need uh, uh, bigger audiences that, that they can monetize and they need more data points to be able to monetize their games and things like that. So, um, And the other thing that I think we are going to see more and more in the future is more intelligence around uh, creative production and creative optimization. The fact that you cannot have more behavioral data means that uh, if you cannot target specific users that you know will convert, it means that you need to be really clever with showing the 
uh, appealing messages in your creatives to, to, to users so you can convince any type of user of using your app or playing your, your game. That means that uh, you will need to invest a lot more in creative variations, in, in, in finding new ways to uh, show your message in different placements and in different publishers. And I think that there is going to be a lot of uh, <clears throat> development when it comes to, to, to creative production and, and optimization in this post-IDFA uh, world. Right, exactly. I, if I remember correctly, even by now, uh, Google and Facebook combined the whole like 85, uh, between 80 and 90% of the advertising market, two behemoths that are still holding the reins of the advertising world. And Apple's ATT introduction basically giving more uh, air to breathe other companies, other competitors who can step in and get more um, part get a bigger part of the market. And uh, yeah, it's pretty uh, substantial change for Facebook, even though publicly they're pretty good, they're uh, pretty confident in what they're doing. But as far as I remember, then the, their um, conference call with the um, their financial call for the this yeah. last quarter was telling uh, the, uh, the stakeholders that things will be tougher no matter yeah. what do you think we're capable of doing there's no other way around but to recognize that apple's introduction at&t is kind of uh, dropping the um support the sure. the uh, the whole uh, behavioral advertising model that um, facebook has been building for years Sure. And sure. this is not doom and gloom. Uh, the world is not being concentrated in one company. There are a lot of other folks who are doing a great job. And you guys one of them, one of those. So we're good to go and good to grow and develop. Now, um, what do you think Google will be doing uh, next? Uh, will they follow the Apple's uh, steps and will drop their version of the IDFA? Um I think eventually Google will likely follow Apple's direction, but probably on a, with a very different approach, mostly given that they are an advertising business versus like a software and hardware business uh, like Apple. So uh, they need to implement some uh, user privacy centric uh, uh, features, but avoiding hurting their uh, advertising uh, 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 business. Uh, we have been seeing uh, some steps in this direction. Uh, for, for example, this year, uh, Android started uh, enforcing the zero out of the Android advertising ID or the Google advertising ID when users opt out from, from, from advertising on the device, which is something that before users could opt out from uh, uh, advertising in, in Android, but publishers were not forced to actually remove that, that ID. Today, they are enforcing that, which is a, a step forward to, to be more conscious about uh, user uh, privacy. Uh, but, but let's see, I mean, the, the, the other thing is that these changes in iOS, uh, as we uh, discussed before, is uh, uh, providing Android with a lot of growth, growth in terms of advertising budget, right? So uh, if if Google does something similar to this, uh, it will probably take some time because they 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 wouldn't want to uh, 
scare away advertisers, right? So they need to do things in a smart way and, 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 and gradually. So the changes that they apply on the advertising model are not impacting their whole business, basically. Right. I would totally agree. We all remember uh, Google Glass, their uh, inroad into the hardware world, and uh, it's basically dusted away. They used to own Boston Dynamics, trying to play with robots, uh, but they had to sell the company. They used to own the patents from Motorola, and they sold their, those patents as well. So no matter, no matter what they're doing, they're really great in advertising business, and this is just uh, what they need to run with and be careful not to break the system. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Um, now we're at the point of the show where I'm asking just a few quick questions to every guest I have on air to let the audience know my guests a little bit better. Uh, so here we go. Question number one. What smartphone do you have now? Have you been switching between iOS and Android or just staying one side consistently? Uh, today, my daily driver is an iPhone 12 Pro, I think. Yeah, it's a Pro one. And, and I, but I also have a Motorola G5 just to test some, some apps and stuff that we do for, for work, basically. Um, I think Android is really good for some things, but the reality is that the whole Apple ecosystem is really hard right. to beat when it comes That's to accurate. using like Mac, iPhone, iPad, etc. So I have been using mostly iPhones over the years, but also testing some Android stuff as well. <laughs> Gotcha. Um, that's because of your work. Probably, if you were if you weren't in the app industry, you wouldn't be using uh, Android, right? As a <laughs> probably, phone. but but the the reality is that I'm a gadget geek, so so probably I I will test some devices just for the fun of it. But, but yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you remember your first mobile phone back in the day? Yeah. Well. Uh, I think it was a Nokia something, one of the first ones, you know, with the with the snake game on it. Uh, Everybody remembers the snake game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it was the only, I mean, the first mobile game. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, and it was even before the GCM networks, remember, and before the, the uh -huh. SIM cards and, and things like that. So it was a really uh, old one. But I always remember how good... Uh, the battery life was on those devices. You 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 charge your device only once a week or something like that, and and you were good to go. <laughs> so and it was still not there. I mean, it was primitive. It. it was primitive, but in some I mean, in some aspects, it was uh, really good. Right, there's always a trade-off. These days, say we would dream to charge our iPhones once a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now imagine you've left your uh, beloved iPhone 12 uh, at home. What would be the most missing feature for you? Yeah. To be honest, I try to be somehow mindful of the whole phone addiction thing that we are all suffering. So mm -hmm. I think that sometimes leaving your phone at home is not that bad. <laughs> but yeah, having that said, sure. yeah. Is there anything but, that you'll be missing, like something simple, something uh, useful? No, for sure. I mean, for sure, the, all the messaging apps to get in touch with all, all your people are, are going to be something that I will miss because today we are using messaging apps for everything. I mean, instead of, in some cases, instead of ringing the bell, when you visit someone, you just send him a message or send her a message to, mm -hmm. to let them know that you are on the, on the door. So that, that's pretty useful. And also, uh, Google Maps. I, I'm, I'm really bad with, Direction, so I, I don't know the streets and things like that. So Google Maps is really important for me, especially when when, when you're traveling. 
Exactly. Yeah, it's really convenient. Uh, it's it's hard to remember the days when we didn't have you know, Google Maps uh, under our tips. Um, now, uh, do you think there's any hardware software tech that you would like to have on your iPhone, which is not there at the moment or probably developing, but not as good, as great you would like it to be? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty excited about the the potential of VR and, and augmented reality like technologies. Uh, Apple has been doing a lot of effort there, but I think that there is still an opportunity there to be uh, exploited but by apps and different companies. Um, and probably when we have the Apple Googles or something like that, uh, we will see uh, a new bunch of experience in, in terms of uh, uh, apps and games um, and why, why not some, some uh, uh, business opportunities as well. So I'm looking forward to the development of, of that technology and see what happens there. Yeah. Have you been trying uh, live text? Yeah. It's That's pretty, pretty useful. Good. It's one of those cases which I didn't anticipate Apple will be implementing with this version of iOS. I thought uh, yeah. ruler and stuff like, you know, IKEA-related uh, um, implementation would be, like, the best case. But, yeah, live text is pretty useful, you know, calling for numbers you can see on the street and you know, uh, yeah. on doors and, and stuff. It's really great. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Before I let you go, this was my last question, but before I let you go, how can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Sure. Well, basically, uh, you can search me on LinkedIn and you will find, uh, you, you can contact me there if you have questions or comments for, for me. But other than that, I will recommend you to visit our website. So it's champ.com. And specifically, if you want to know more about uh, iOS 14 and ATT and SCAD network, I recommend you to go to our specific section of the website that is resources.champ.com slash iOS 14. And there you will find a lot of resources, uh, case studies, and and information about iOS 14 that I think is really uh, useful. Great. We will put those links into the description of this episode. So folks take notes. Uh, and that's, that's it. Thanks a lot for your time uh, and coming up on our podcast, Guido. Thank you. Thank you, Art. It was really good. Thank you. And that was Guido Craig, VP of Product at Jam. Um, to listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. We release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review and comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And our episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.